podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. We are live on YouTube recording this one. Uh, so if you're watching, welcome. I am, of course, a long-time host of this show, the longest-running weekly cricket podcast in Australia. I'm Menas. I'm joined by my offsider, Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Hey, Menas. I'm great. Hey, everyone. Hope everyone's going well. Yes, for those watching on YouTube, Paul's, well, we've both got new webcams, but Paul's, this is the first time he's used it, and um, he looks uh, very, very good, very sharp. Um, <laughs> so, look, a lot to get through in this show. Um, obviously, we're, we're hitting peak cricket season with the Big Bash in full swing, the Boxing Day test um, about to kick off on Monday. So uh, a lot to get through. We've got all the cricket headlines. But before we get into it, this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN. Um, at the moment, you, if you have concerns about uh, cybercrime and people stealing your private data um, and invading your privacy, uh, they're legitimate concerns after the the um, well-publicised uh, breaches recently. So uh, NordVPN is your one-stop shop for cybersecurity. It's very easy to use. And with your VPN account, your NordVPN account, you can protect up to six devices. So um, it's well worth it. Absolutely. And uh, in our last show, I mentioned how the Australia-South Africa series wasn't being shown in India. Well, the Bangladesh-India series isn't being shown in Australia. It's one of the few India test series that isn't being shown in Australia. Now, if my work commitments weren't there, I'd be absolutely dialing into that via the VPN tomorrow when it first kicks off. So uh, if you're a keen fan of Indian cricket, that might be the way to go. So if you want to take up the offer, we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered um you get a it's completely risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee so the link is in the show notes all right let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by piccolo podcasts well the fallout from the two-day gabba test continues with the gabba test pitch being rated below average by the icc so richie richardson uh didn't label the pitch dangerous but did say it was below average and therefore the Gabba loses one demerit point. Paul, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I agree. I think that it was a below average pitch. I don't think it was poor or whatever the next um, term they use is the next one down. So it was good that it didn't get pinged too much. And it is a tough gig because uh, we've talked about it before, how there's nothing worse than the opposite of that and a really boring pitch. And we always talk about that 2017-18 Boxing Day Test match because, as we like to say, it's still going on somewhere. I think Alistair Cook's now um, well past 3,000 not out. Um, 
this is a vastly better viewing experience than that. If you took um, the, the entertainment value of these two days, it was highly watchable the whole way through. There just wasn't enough of it. And um, the, yeah, the curator <clears throat> has, had a, has had a poor result. As Ricky Potting said in commentary, he doesn't make many mistakes up there at the, at the Gabba, so a one-off is not too bad. I, I think as well it was the, the fact that it was starting to get a bit um, up and down where the, the divots were that had been formed on day one because of the moisture within were starting to harden and there was uneven bounce. And some of the players are saying that it was one of, you know, literally the most difficult pitch that they've ever played on. So I think a below average rating is right. Yes, yeah, so uh, that happened to the MCG, and I wonder if, um, you know, the Gabba will be put on notice now. I mean, they wouldn't want this to happen two years in a row. And I, I still f- find it hard to believe how wrong the curator got it. It wasn't just a little green. It was a lot green. So, um, yeah, a, a big, big mistake. Um, I, I see the arguments um, about people not wanting flat pitches, but I also think both are bad. You don't want two-day tests and you don't want five-day batathons. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. And it should be possible to get the right one. I, I found it intriguing how so many people from the subcontinent were saying, oh, if this was a pitch in India, there, there'd be a huge amount of criticism. Well, there was. Um, you know, there was a massive amount of criticism and it was emanating from Australia. Uh, there's every Australian journalist was having a go. There was a, a long section on the Channel Seven coverage where they had our friend Pete Waller on there, um, Ricky Ponting was on there, Tim Lane, um, and one of the other commentators. And they were really um, with with very um, in a very measured way were very very critical of it. Um, the one thing I will say is that it certainly wasn't, as far as I'm aware doctored it was just a mistake they certainly didn't say oh well South Africa here let's prepare a really fast bouncy pitch that'll be the best way for Australia to win and that's something that as to the best of my knowledge consistently Australian curators have not done they have never um, doctored the pitches almost every other country uh, does people say oh you know you know people call me out for having that opinion but I've never seen anything to dissuade me from it so uh, plus if you were going to doctor a pitch for Australia to play against South Africa this is exactly the pitch you would not produce because um, they're their fast bowling is so dynamic that this is the sort of pitch that you'd say, well, no, if you're going to do anything, you'd go the other way. So certainly wasn't doctored. It was just a mistake. And um, hopefully they don't go too far the other way next time around. Yeah, quite selfishly, I had a fantastic weekend. I mean, two-day test on a Saturday and Sunday from a, a spectator's point of view is absolutely gold. I mean, maybe they could, you know, make that more standard going forward. Like, uh, you know, play like a, a three-day t- a three-day a, a series with three-day tests, but the the thing is that on just absolute a minefield. So you know, it's, and you just know that in two or three days you're going to get a result. Yeah, uh, the only thing I'd say to that is that maybe if you were, if you were forced to bat on it, maybe you would disagree because after a while, fa- facing Rabada and Stark and Co is bad <laughs> enough, but on something where it might smash you in the jaw, uh, it's another thing altogether. Yeah, the bowlers would love it. Um, might be the way to redress the balance between T20 cricket. Um, all right, so uh, let, let's look ahead to the Boxing Day Test match. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night Australian time and um, and it feels like an eternity between Test matches because it uh, finished so early. It, it was due to finish today, the first Test match. Um, but, yeah, so Boxing Day Test starts on Monday. There's a lot of debate now around whether Josh Hazelwood just comes back into the side and replaces Scott Boland. I myself would pick Hazelwood 10 times out of 10. Um, 
in this situation. But if there is an injury concern, then I would err on the side of caution and play Boland at the MCG. But if, if Hazelwood is 100% fit, it's his spot. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, a big fan of Josh Hazelwood. But I put it to you, Menace, as I, I've said before in, in various different ways. Is that the right way of thinking? That you're, you're putting him in almost as because uh, there's a hierarchy there. Well, he's got over 200 test wickets at a brilliant average and strike rate. I think he's averaging around 25 per wicket. He's done it for a long time. And, yeah, uh, there's no hierarchy there. I just think he's earned his spot. Um, You know, Boland had an incredible start to his test career. But, uh, really, he only got his chances because Hazelwood was injured. So, uh, I just don't think Hazelwood's done anything to leave him out either. No, he hasn't done anything to leave him out. But that's not the question. The question is simple. Um, you know, here you go, Manners. Here's the thing. I want you to really think this Here through. we go. Here we go. I know what's coming. If Australia win the test match, you get a brand shiny check for $1 million. Yes. If Australia, if Australia lose the test match, you go to jail for one year. Let's let, you know, think about that. Crystallize your mind. Yeah. Who do you think in current form is more likely to win us the test match? Um, what I would say is that Boland is in my top three somewhere, if that's the case. And I think that it's hard to disagree. If your life is on the line, the way Boland is bowling at the moment, I don't think you'd leave him out. Uh, I would, I, well, if, if my life was on the line of going to jail and, um, you know, having all sorts of nasty things done to me, <laughs> um, is a, I would need to go down to the nets and really see how Hazelwood's bowling <laughs> and make sure it's 100% fit. But I'm still sticking with my man, Josh Hazelwood. Um, but, but there's not a lot between them. And, um, I'll tell you what and, I'll and do. It, I, what? This is probably uh, – I, I just re- – no, uh, well, probably, yeah. Um, but um, – <laughs> If I if I was um, I don't want to go down that path again. I, I love lying, um, but if I was if I was to just choose <laughs> out of the three quicks, too much. <laughs> if I was to just choose out of the three quicks, I'd probably drop Stark. Um, and I know that's a no, um, that's crazy. Of course, it's crazy. But they're four wonderful bowlers, and if you're only going to pick three of them at the moment, I, I, I think that's I'd have I'd have Cummins, Boland, and Hazelwood. And people would say, yeah, you know, that's that shows what an idiot you are. But mm, I'm yeah. facing it here in jail. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to, I've got to look after my family and myself, mate. Faced with hard time, start goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm chucking Boland out, um, mainly because you know I think he's also a bit of a show pony. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to oh. take three wickets and over. I'm going to take two wickets and over. You know, just run around like I own the place. Um, Matters. Come on. Anyway, so so now so the, so we've both agreed Hazelwood comes in. I like it. Now next next <laughs> um, <laughs> next point of selection. Um, I mean, could a double failure at the Boxing Day Test spell the end of David Warner's Test career? Well, um, not for me. I, I I would pick I would pick Warner in Melbourne and in Sydney, no matter what happens. Because as far as I'm even concerned, if, even if you had to go to jail. Even if I had to go to jail, especially if I had to go to jail, because I still think if I if I'm lining up Warner versus say Hunt or Renshaw or, or whoever, uh, yeah, or Bancroft, um, whomever's kind of the the next cab off the rank, I'm picking Warner over them um, quite comfortably still. I'd rather especially, go to jail than watch Bancroft bat, to be honest. <laughs> especially under um, Australian conditions. Now, uh, but that, I'm tragically, as we know, not an Australian selector. So, would the actual selectors drop him? Fine. 
Um, I, I think they'd be very, very, very reluctant to drop him. Uh, the way I could see it happening would be if Australia got belted in Melbourne, if, if Warner uh, got two ugly ducks and South Africa absolutely caned us and there was kind of that um, feeling of uh, we need some blood, then maybe then. But even then, I think that they'd be very reluctant to do it. Maybe they'd have a tap on the shoulder and say, to him, Mate, let's please make this your last test match in Sydney. But I don't think that they would want to do it. And I, I don't quite understand the rush to push David Warner out of the side. Yes, I accept that his production in the last couple of years is not what it has been. And I know that with tours of India and England coming up, that's very, very difficult. But I still just think that I, I, I prefer him in the side than the alternative for these two test matches and for the tour of India. England, um, even then, um, I, I'm not sure that many players are going to do all that well on the top of the order in, um, in England in 2023. I guess... I mean, I've got mixed feelings about David Warner at the moment. It's very, very hard for me to sort of um, nail down on it. Um, but I want him to show show glimpses of the David Warner of old. I want him to go back to dominating, you know, good bowlers with aggressive stroke play. We haven't seen that this year in Test cricket. We've seen more of it in white ball cricket, but certainly, actually, uh, I would say since the twenty twenty. Uh, in 2021 T20 World Cup, he hasn't really been destructive. So I want to see that from him. And if we do see that from him, I want him to play on. Uh, and I would love him to bow out at the end of the 50-over World Cup next year. Australia's won in India. We've won the Ashes. We've won the Test World Championship. We've won the 50-over World Cup. And David Warner scored runs in all of them. That would be my dream. But I also have a concern that we saw what happened with Finch, where you try and drag along a player that's rapidly losing uh, form at the top level. And I wonder if Warner and Andrew, uh, sorry, Bailey and Andrew McDonald might be a bit burnt by what happened with Finch and think, well, maybe we've just actually got to cut Warner because we don't want to take him to India and he's not scoring runs. And then that drags on into the ashes. But I don't know that Warner is rapidly losing form at the top level. I think that's a, um, the narrative that has been built up because um, we like to do that with cricket, form narratives to, to make life simpler. I, I think that, um, what is he, he's 36? Yes. Um, he's probably um, a fraction of a percent worse than what he was when he was 35 and a fraction of a percent worse than he was when he was 34. I know he didn't have the greatest series against the West Indies, but it wasn't that long ago that... Um, he was the player of the series in the in the T20 World Cup. I know it's a different form of cricket, but it's still um, it's still bat hitting ball. And this Test match is when it really seemed to crystallise. And I want to emphasise that Steve Smith said this was the hardest pitch that he ever played on. I don't think that's the right. Um, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't be putting too much into it, given given that's the case. Well, we'll see. Look, I hope he comes out and smashes 100 at the uh, Boxing Day and he goes on. Um, do, so Australia, I think, will go in with the same team whether Boland or Hazelwood plays. That's the debate. What do you think about South Africa? Do you think they'll go in with the, the same team or they'll switch it around? Um, it's hard to know with, with South Africa. I mean, they've got the that quotas system in the, the, that's kind of also um, plays into things. Um I think it depends on what the Melbourne pitch looks like. I mean, Maharaj bowled, what did he bowl, two overs in um, in this test match. Uh, so I think mm. that, you know, I'm not so convinced that he's someone that is really going to um, scare the Australians. He's a good bowler. Uh, but if I was the South Africans, I'd be saying I'd probably be looking to drop Maharaj and 
um, pick someone else. We tempted to pick that other bowler. I've forgotten his name. Um, that's um, got a very good record, the fast medium bowler that no one else would consider. Um, but um, as for what they will do, I've got no idea. Yeah, I guess um, I agree with you. I actually think they should drop Mark. Well, I, I think they should go with four bowlers, whether that's Janssen, Rabada, and Nokia and Maharaj, or they drop Maharaj and go the four quicks. But I think they need to bring in uh, maybe, I think it's De Bruyne, uh, De, I don't even know, or Thanos De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Yeah. De Bruyne. They, need, they need another batter. I yeah. mean, they, they just need to get some more runs. So I'd go with, you know, Verena and then six batters. Um, the other one for me is, um, you know, if they can – I don't know, get something out of Boxing Day. You know, if they go to the SCG pitch, they've got Simon Harmer, who's got almost a 1,000 first-class wickets. They've got Maharaj. I mean, they could um, surprise Australia on a turning pitch. Are you talking about in Melbourne or in Sydney? In Sydney, if they can just yeah. get something out of Melbourne, whether it's a draw um, and then in Sydney, uh, actually Harmer and Maharaj could take advantage of what is a very dry and dusty pitch. Yeah, true. Um, I agree. Glenton Sturman, I haven't seen him, but he's got an average of 22. He's fast, medium. Maybe he's got a bit of, bol- of Boland about him, um, but they're not going to pick him. I tend to, now that I think about it, I agree with you. They probably do need to um, drop Maharaj and bring in another batter. Heinrich Klassen is the one that I'd be bringing in. Um, yeah, average true. 48 in first-class cricket. Um, De Bruyne has a test average of, tw- of 19, first-class average of 42, so he can play. Look, I'm thrilled that Australia won one nil, and they're they're storming to through this series. As I said, I'm desperate for Australia to win three nil, but I am wary that South African cricket teams don't give up. We saw um, India bounce back after they were bowled out for 36, um, and and I just I'm wary that South Africa might find something at Melbourne. So, you know, I think Australia really need to start well with the top order. Gets if they get a you know, if they win the toss and bat and put scoreboard pressure on, then I think Australia can dominate. But as I said, I'm wary of riding off South Africa. I think that two-day test match, you know, was a, a little bit of an anomaly. Well, also, don't forget that if you just looked at the scores, you, you would think it was a little bit closer than it was. It's because South Africa collapsed so badly in the second innings and that Australia had such a trivial total. But don't forget, Australia lost four wickets on the way to getting those runs. Um, and the uh, if... South Africa had bowled a little bit better as I thought they should have to when head was going uh, fast, they, if they'd been a little bit more accurate and restricted his scoring by not feeding his strengths. And uh, on that second morning when they put the field back and um, didn't bowl that well to, to head and green, it might've been Australia might've been chasing 60 or 70. Who knows? Australia might've lost six wickets in chasing the runs down. And, you know, you'd get to the point where you'd say it actually wasn't such a, a thrashing. So, Certainly, South Africa could um, fight back. The disappointment is that their their batting looks weaker than um, other South African lineups that have come here. But as I said in the last podcast, I think that their test records aren't quite a true reflection of their of their quality. Let's see them on a pitch that's not quite so um, difficult to bat on. Mm. All right, our next cricket headline, News Corp's Ben Horn is reporting that Channel 9 has emerged as a genuine contender to reclaim Australian cricket's TV rights. So uh, it is expected that the broadcast deal will be announced this year. And uh, so I'm trying to read between the lines here, Paul. And 
So I guess stepping back, um, you know, uh, Ben Horn works for News Corp, News Corp own Foxtel. Foxtel want to keep a slice of the cricket. So I think you've got got to look at all these articles with that with that lens that there is an agenda here that News Corp want to keep some portion of the cricket rights. And I don't actually, think that they're, that they're that organised. I don't think they've said to Ben Horn write an article in favour oh, no. of it because I don't think that there's. I don't think that these articles have any influence on where the media rights go. I reckon just Ben Horn's got a, a source and has written it, and I, I think that you're reading too much into it. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm not saying Horn's compromised, but just the reporting around this. I think, you know, because Foxtel, they want an arrangement with seven or nine where they keep a lot of some exclusive content, but they have free-to-air content as well, as it is at the moment. So I think that's why they're pushing the nine the nine thing as well. And then, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, what do Cricket Australia want? Well, you know, if Foxtel retains some of the rights, then that means you see expanded coverage in News Corp media of cricket because they have um, a reason to promote the game. And you do see that across all their flagship papers and everything. But then if they do partner with Channel 9, they've also got the Channel 9 papers, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, that also have a reason to promote cricket. So with a TV deal, they could be on Foxtel Channel 9 and have both major media um, outlets covering cricket. True. Um, But I still think that as a fan, what I want most for the betterment of the game and the and the, the higher profile I want the game to be as high profile as possible. We need to have as, as much content on free to air as is absolutely possible. I think that it was a real mistake to put the white ball internationals behind a paywall. They need to address that mistake. Now to a degree it's not quite as big an issue now because one day cricket seems to be kind of um fading a little bit, but I'm sure that there's still going to be one day as scheduled. And they still used to rate pretty well on Channel 9. I mean, these Australia... It's certainly going to fade if no one's watching it as well. Well, yeah, these Australia-England games that we were just, we were saying were such poorly scheduled um, uh, matches, they got bad ratings because they were on um, behind a paywall. If they'd been back on Channel 9, lots of people still would have watched them. And the same with um, when we moved to sort of the Australia T20 International. So I think that you just can't have it where the cricket is half behind a paywall because... As much as the younger generations are all about streaming and social media, there is still a hardcore of people over a certain age who still turn on the TV and they watch Channel 9 or Channel 7. And when when the cricket's not on on those, they just don't watch it. So I think Cricket Australia need to be willing to forego some money um, and to say we need to get as much as possible on free-to-air. I, I really would love to see all the Australian men's white ball domestic uh, white ball matches at home Red Bull matches at home on free-to-air and the entire Big Bash on free-to-air. And if Foxtel uh, are demanding exclusive content, well, get lost. Um, you, you, you can't have it. Um, at worst, I'd be willing to say if the Big Bash, we need to have a game on 7 o'clock Eastern every single night of the Big Bash and maybe on Saturday and Sunday if Foxtel gets a 4 p.m. game as well, between um, you know the two lowest rating sides, maybe I could allow that. But I, I can't abide when people say, "Oh, cricket's on tonight." Turn it on, it's not on, um, and then it shouldn't make a difference. But it seems to make a difference, and so that's what I want. And I also, 
I'm nervous about Paramount um, because, um, you know, we talked about last time the, the, the notion of maybe you have to get a um, watch the cricket on your dishwasher or something or get sponsored by um, <laughs> um, Fisher and Paykel. Well, Paramount, I, you know, what is Paramount? Um, I, I, I'm sure I can work it out within 10 seconds and stream it on Paramount easily. But someone 20 years older than me maybe wouldn't be able to do that. So, um, and I think that that's a real mistake that if they say, oh, yeah, you know, you can watch the Big Bash on Paramount, that sounds horrible. No, I think that just has to be the streaming option. And it would actually appear that... No, but it uh, wouldn't if, be. Wouldn't that be... Are you saying that Channel 10, if they get it, they're going to show every single game on Channel 10? No, no, I'm not saying that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I would assume that um, the free-to-air content would just be on their channel. Yeah, um, but then I'm saying the, the, the Paramount... So on a, on, a, uh, on a Friday night, if that's the night they've said, all right, well, that'll be the night to really bump your Paramount um, subscriptions... Channel 10 put on Murder, She Wrote or something. Oh, no, uh, that's you, terrible, yeah. And you've got to go to Paramount. At least no, when you've no, got to go to KO really. or Foxtel, people know how to do that. Um, the Paramount, for, for, for many people, they're going, what's that? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's the same with KO. It's just another app. I've got it. Um, I was watching yeah, something I know, like before. I, I know, I'm not saying that you can't get it. I'm, I can get it. You can get it. But can um, a 70-year-old get it, a 65-year-old get it, yeah. um, someone who's not interested in... in what if you're in jail? Can you get it? Yeah, you yes. <laughs> um, uh, So apparently 10's bid is actually, uh, well, the current bid, in if Horn's uh, article is to be believed, is the highest bid and is at $1.5 billion. And I, I am getting frustrated by a couple of elements around the reporting of this. So... Uh, there seems to they keep saying, "Oh well, ten has less of a market share than seven and nine. That might be true, but it's also a bit of a chicken the egg. Like ten hasn't been able to secure one of these big football codes or anything to boost their ratings. They've struggled, which is one of the reasons they've got this money left over is because they couldn't get either of the football codes. So if that's the case, I, I, I think, I wouldn't be fearful if I was Cricket Australia just because the A-League's not rating well. I mean, the A-League wouldn't rate well on any network you put it on. So, But, yeah, I'm wary of, you know, how Paramount Plus would work the coverage, but I think that it's time for them to unite. And I also think the coverage of the game is suffering, having in every game two sets of commentary, uh, you know, yet, I don't want to name names, but if you had one set of commentators for every game, there's there's certain commentators that wouldn't be in the box, and the broadcaster broadcast would be better for it. Like Brian Lara, for example. The yeah. thing is, they probably pick him Jason anyway. Richardson. I like Jason Richardson. Um, I like Brian Lara as a cricketer. I just find him as a boring, boring <laughs> commentator, and I don't think he's all that interested in the Big Bash. Um, now, the thing is, I disagree with your point about Channel 10. I think that's my main concern about Channel 10. Channel 10 isn't um, – Channel 10 is a long way behind the market share of Channel 9 and 7, and it's not because of, oh, they haven't got the football code. They had the AFL for years. Channel 10 are behind because they were the third they – they arrived many, many years after 9 and 7. And The Big Bash could, rated really well on Channel 10 yeah, when it, it was did. on there. It did, so, and they did well. But we're talking about the, 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 the test matches on there as well. Um, It'd be great. Imagine about, getting the Channel 10 crew back together. Fleming, Gilly, Punter, uh, who else? Mark War. Uh, get the old crew back. They were, they were great for the Big Bash because they, they really loved it and they did a wonderful job. And I, I liked their coverage. I wouldn't mind them having it. It's just that if you put um, uh, uh, the most boring thing on Channel 7 or Channel 9, 
versus something pretty good on Channel 10, the chances are the seven and nine thing will outrate it because people just don't switch to 10. Um, you don't get the incidental viewers that, um, that you get on channels nine and seven. And that's the thing that as soon as you take the cricket, the test cricket off nine or seven and put it onto 10, as much as I, I think 10 would do a good job, you've taken a step down. And that's a concern for me. All right. So, Dennett, so you're, you're Nick Hockley and you have to make the decision. You've got these two offers. One offer is Channel 9 and Foxtel, similar to what 7 and Foxtel are doing now, and Foxtel remain, retains exclusive rights to 15 Big Bash games, but everything else is on free-to-air, including the White Ball Internationals. So it'll be split between South Af- uh, Channel 9 and uh, Foxtel. That's one option. Or free-to-air, everything on 10 and Paramount, and 10 puts everything on TV whether it's on uh, their main channel or their second channel, every game is on TV, plus every game is on Paramount. You have to make the decision. The money, Channel 10 are paying 10% more. Very well framed. Good question. Is the likelihood, though, that Channel 10 are going to stick some stuff on Paramount without having it on the TV? That's my concern. Or can I convince um, Nine and Foxtel that I want it all on Nine? But if you, as, as you presented it just then... Um, I, as much, I'm still going to go back to Channel 9. Um, mm-hmm. It's home is Channel 9. They've had a couple of years away. They've had a trial separation. Get the music back. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Um, Channel 9 nostalgia. Well, just that so many people still watch bloody Peter Overton on the news at 6 o'clock, and then when he says, oh, we had a big day at the test match, um, and what happened on Channel 10? Well, we, we don't know because we don't watch Channel 10. I think there's still too many people that feel that way. All right. Well, we haven't sorted it out. I'm going with 10 and Paramount. I'm a man of the future. I want some of those American dollars being put into cricket. Um, so if, if you could, if you can just say to Joe Bloggs on the street, the cricket's on 10, that's it. I think it's that's I like that outcome. Yeah, you, you might be right. The other thing with Channel 9 is that what are they going to do about the tennis? I mean, the tennis is not on um, directly against the test matches, but this year the tennis is um, on sort of in the second half of January. Um I'd have to say they're not going to put the, the men's open, the, the Australian Open final on Gem and the Big Bash on nine, I suppose. That's a, that's another thing against nine, I suppose. Yeah, and actually next summer there'll be Test cricket in late January because of the 50-over World Cup, so there will be a direct clash. Um, one question for you. Does it annoy you that they've moved the start times of Test matches forward by 10 minutes so TV networks don't, have to cross after the hour, say, to the news. So the, the Brisbane test started at 10.20 a.m. local time in Brisbane, and that was so, you know, it would, if play finished at, say, 5.53, because they start the last over just as the top of the hour, you know, as the hour's finishing that way. So that's what they've done. So they've moved it 10 minutes early so they can play that last over, and then there's, you know, a little bit of a buffer for the news Net, the, the coverage to go to the news. Mm. I don't think you read the notes because I put this exact point in the notes. Um, but, um, Did you? Yes. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't Where did you put it? You come. Um, just below the crowd figures. <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's good that we've independently come up with the same point. Um, my concern is that they just... Well, seem- you put this in the big bash section. I mean, you. I'm still getting over you criticizing my notes last week. So last week you criticized me <laughs> because 
our guest goes KG. So half of our Australian audience has no idea who she's talking about. So I'm just trying to get her to like stop nicknaming the players. And then you're correcting my notes. I didn't even read out. I just put down his background for you to read and you're correcting them. I'm like, well, I didn't even read it out. Because I saw it, I thought it'd be funny when you say it, when I correct you, and then you didn't say it, and I thought, I'm going to say it anyway. And it fell flat. I acknowledge that. But KG, I I genuinely thought that you didn't know who he was. I didn't realise you were asking on on behalf of the listeners. Yeah, Um, sometimes, like, as a great host, you're the proxy for the listener. I've spent the week thinking that your knowledge of cricket is about half what I thought it was. I'm glad that you said that. No, I just wanted to make it it clear to... um, Fatima. Fatima, that we run a professional operation here. Like, no, I don't go, you know, calling them all nicknames. Hey, you smart, call everyone by nickname. Runst- what? You call, you call everyone by nickname. Sometimes I do. But the Australian ones, our listeners know, like KG. Right. I mean, anyway. So, anyway, now, are you in favour of the moving the forward 10 minutes? That specific thing I don't mind so much because when people say, oh, yeah, they're doing just for TV, um, I, I, I'm okay if it means that, that for, you know, as you, in that instance that you cited, that it means that f- people who can't be bothered switching across to the secondary station don't miss the last over of the day, yeah, I'm okay with that. What I don't like is, and I was just thinking about this today, if I was just a casual fan, I would have absolutely no idea when the cricket was on this summer because for, the cricket started at 11.20 Sydney time for this Brisbane test match. I've never known of a test match ever starting at 11.20 Sydney time before. The test match before um, in Perth, in um, um, Adelaide. No, the, the, the test match coming up in Melbourne is starting at 10.30 Sydney mm. time. So 50-minute difference for two cities on the East Coast. Um, the test match in Perth started on a Wednesday. The test match in Brisbane started on a Saturday. Um, you, you've got even the Sydney test match this year. Normally, it's it's been the third, the third, the third, and then with a bit of COVID, they had to push it out to the seventh. This year, it's the fourth. The... I think that people crave the normality of what they get in the football seasons. They kind of know Friday night, 7.30, whether you're AFL or rugby league, it's on. Um, cricket, it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if, the, you know, you, you get up at three in the morning, there's a big bash game being played in um, um, South Africa for, for, oh, I didn't know this is on. It's, like, it's, 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 it's difficult for me to follow it and I'm obsessed by the sport. The average person just wouldn't know when it's on. It's an oversimplification to say but there's a little bit of truth in it that the one day that it's always on, Boxing Day, gets the biggest crowd and the biggest um, biggest attendance and the biggest um, feeling. I think that they need to move back to a much more settled schedule because in the old days, <clears throat> test matches started at 11 a.m. on a Friday and you knew that maybe the Adelaide test would start at 11.30 because of the time difference, but it wasn't starting at, um, you know, at Wednesday at 3 in the afternoon. So, um, yeah, I... I don't mind them doing it for TV as long as whatever they need to pick a time and stick to it. I think. Yeah. I mean, good point. Um, with the Sydney test, I think that's going to be more common now that the players want to break between boxing day and Sydney. So I think it's always going to start around the fourth. So I think we'll just have to get used to that. And, but it's a bit like the TV deal. That's why if you can just say the big bash is on seven o'clock on channel 10 every night, you, you know, it's easy it's not confusing. Uh, speaking of the Big Bash, uh, well, let's stick with international cricket before we get into the Big Bash. Um, 
uh, Australia have completed their T20 International Series in India. Australia won a 4-1. And a couple of uh, highlights from it. For me, it was the return of Elise Perry to T20 dominance. A couple of spots have opened up in the Australian T20 International side with Meg Lanning taking a break and Rachel Haynes retiring. And, you know, we've seen um, stuttering performance from performances from Elise Perry in T20 cricket, but she bounced back with with great style in this tournament. She's got 165 runs and a strike rate of 160. And that's the thing that jumped out to me. Um, so, uh, two scores in the 70s. So terrific stuff from Elise Perry. And, yeah, uh, it's great to see her back in the side. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, and it's great that this series was um... – was on um, that it was as successful it was in front of the crowds and as I said last show once the women's big bash uh, once the women's IPL really kicks in uh, I, I think we're going to see women's cricket go to a new level um, all around the world and the sport is going to be so much the better for it. Yeah, and there'll be some players out of this series that make some good money. Grace Harris, another breakout performer. She's actually replaced Rachel Haynes as Haynes as the finisher in the Australian women's T20 side, but she does it at a strike rate of over 200. She scored 132 runs at a strike rate of 203 in the series. Uh, the other one's Beth Mooney, um, scored over 200 runs, leading run, run scorer, at an average uh, strike rate of 141. Um, so, so just dominant stuff with the bat. Talia McGrath also scored 146 runs. Uh, Heather Graham um, made a debut in this series and finished um, in the last game taking a hat trick. She took a wicket off the last ball of one of her overs. Then there was, I think, a break of like 20 minutes before she she bowled again and she took a, a, a wicket with the first ball of that over and she didn't know she was on a hat trick. It was one of her teammates that told her and she did it. And and she said um, afterwards that at the top of her mark, she changed her mind. She was going to bowl a slower ball, but she decided just to bowl as quick as she could and she hit the middle stump and uh, got a hat trick. Elite athletes do think differently. I mean, if I was playing cricket and I had – was on a hat trick I would never not know that because it would be such a rare rare occurrence that I, I just find it that how can you be so good at sport to not even realize you're on a hat trick that's a, that's amazing <laughs> uh, so incredible series from Australia they win 4-1 they come home now they play uh, Pakistan in Australia a three match ODI series and a three match T20 series now uh, sticking with T20 cricket it's a big bash time so much to talk about i don't really want to get caught up in the ladder because this moves so quickly that when you're listening to this the ladder could be completely different but i mean I, i've sort of enjoyed the tournament so far but i am a little bit obsessed paul with players leaving I, i've got it i've just got it in my head now that i'm watching these teams and i'm thinking okay which of you bastards is not going to be here in a couple of weeks and i think on that note it's time for me to realize that i have finally come to the same conclusion that every other person in Australia has who likes the Big Bash, and that is they probably should reduce the number of games. Um, I think that's on the cards in the next TV deal, but this Big Bash has started with a whimper. They need to start it with a bang, and if part of the reason for that is to cut down the number of games to try to get it back to where it was, I'm now all in favour of it. And when they do that, they need to be able to stand pretty solid and say to players, um, you've got to come for the full tournament because you're right. It's ridiculous knowing that players are going to uh, are going to disappear. It's, it just leaves a hollow feeling in you. 
Yeah, it's really hard. You know, I'm trying to get to know these teams and then you're thinking, okay, oh, he's going, he's going, you know. So you're just like, okay, and then they're going to bring in new people and it's just – it's just frustrating. That being said, there's been some great cricket, but I just cannot get that out of my mind at the moment. Now, like I reached out to Cricket Australia today and I said, look, do you have a list of when everybody's leaving? Because I just need to know. And they were like, you have to go to each club. So tomorrow I'll probably be emailing each club. Going, Can you give me exact dates when everyone's leaving? Because <laughs> I just, I don't want to get like too attached. Then they break my heart. Um, and also like, what about like these teams? Like you're watching just from a, like a, a pundit's point of view, you're going, that's a really good team. Oh, but they're going to lose that player and mm. that player in the finals. And those two players are really good because they're going, they're being paid to go to another tournament. So who's going to come in and how are they going to perform? I, I, it just, to me, takes a little bit of a gloss out of the tournament. Like you look at the Adelaide strikers, they've won their first three games. Chris Lynn's opening the batting for them. They've got Rashid Khan. Well, they're both going to another tournament by the time this gets to the finals. So what's going to happen there? Yeah, I think it's time for them to draw a line in the sand and and make sure that this doesn't happen going forward. The odd player maybe, but it can't be the way that it is the wholesale exodus um, that, that, that potentially is going to occur here. I watched a full game, my first full game the other night because I've been so busy with other things and I really liked it. Um, Hobart against um, the Scorchers. Now, I know it was probably uh, the two best sides, so it's probably an easy game to like. But that Tasmanian side, that Hobart side, um, I I think it's close to the most exciting big bash side I've ever seen. People talk about this uh, competition lacking star power, but I I honestly think that Darcy Short, who um, has played some of the most exciting innings in the big bash, is possibly the the 11th most exciting player in that side. You've got Ben McDermott, who's fantastic. Matthew Wade is fantastic. Shadab Khan, who's in is a, is a pinch hitter um, and a, a fantastic bowler. He's a pinch hitter above Tim David, Jimmy Neesham and Asif Ali, three of the most dominant uh, strikers of the ball in world cricket. Joel Paris, who I've always had a an eye on because of his fantastic stats, but he keeps on getting injured. I'm excited to see him back. Nathan Ellis, who I wanted in the Australian side. And Patrick Dooley, who's come from nowhere to be a, probably going to be a cult hero. And then they've got Riley Meredith who bowls at 150 k's an hour. Like, it's so exciting. Yes. Um, just on Paddy Dooley. So he was on uh, RSN Network this morning. And he, there's, it's a great story. So, you know, he, he's just qualified to be a lawyer earlier this year. And, uh, you know, he was at work. He said he was writing a report, got a call from the Hurricanes, we want to contract you. And so he's... um taken a year off work to try and give cricket a go, uh, which is a fantastic story. And, you know, he's got this strange action. It's a bit of a slingy action for a spinner. He bowls, and for those who haven't seen him bowl that are listening, he bowls left um, orthodox spin, but he kind of flicks the ball out with his wrist and his hands. It's a very strange, strange action. And you're never going to believe his inspiration was Jasper Boomerang. Five years ago in the 2017-2018 series, Paddy Dooley was in his backyard and he was copying Boomer's slingy action and he realised it really helped his rhythm as a spinner. So he's he's copied Boomer with that sort of front arm the way it jerks down. How crazy. The, uh, as soon as you said that, there is a slight resemblance in, I mean, not much, but there's a, you can see the the hint of that um, in the way that he bowls. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, how, how good would that be? You're sitting at work writing a report and everyone's <laughs> dreaming of, you know, someone mm. ringing up and saying, Hey, a donut at lunchtime. And then, jail. Yeah. And then someone says, you want to come and play cricket for the Hobart Hurricanes? Like, Oh, a bit, a bit worried about a cricketer who's got a, a law degree. Cause cricket is once they get above a certain level of intelligence, they tend not to, 
do so well because you need to have a simplistic mindset. So um, maybe he's a bit too smart to succeed, but he's um, I, I'm on his I'm on the bandwagon. I'm on the Herbert well, Hurricanes bandwagon. I am supporting them instead of the Sydney Sixers. This go time. the Kane train. Yeah. Um, I, so this is look. I, I have been lukewarm about the Big Bash so far, and you know, hope to get more roused by it. I'm going tomorrow night to the SCG Thursday night to see the Hurricanes play the Sixers. Cannot wait for that. Uh, the the Sydney Thunder, that team that were bowled out for 15. Yeah, that team that were bowled out for 15. When he just keeps saying it, um, they're, they're one. They've lost three games, one one. There's a real possibility by the time David Warner gets back to play for them, they're, they're pretty much out. Maybe, yeah. Um, Ollie Davis is back, though. Um, I hope he's not too badly. I think he just had a slight hamstring complaint. But um, he played pretty well the other night uh, in mm. reasonably difficult conditions. Um, so His brother, Joel yes. Davies. So I've got two people sending me messages about Joel Davies, you and Chloe, um, who was on this show uh, during the World Cup. She sent me a message today. Joel Davies scored 100 um, for New South Wales regionals. But watch out for... Ollie's younger brother. He's he's on on fire. Yeah, sorry, mate. On TikTok, smashing it everywhere. So yeah, very exciting. Um, um, speaking of the Thunder, um, Aaron Finch playing for the Renegades hit seventy not out of forty three ball, balls to help the Renegades beat the Thunder. So career saved. He'll play on to the next T twenty T twenty World Cup. It just underlies what we what we said all along. He's still a very good player. I just don't think he's in our top six or seven for Australia. He's certainly worthy of a spot in the Big Bash, though. Um, he's mm. not far out of being in the Australian side, in my opinion. I'd have he him almost in the second got, 11. He, he got, he's a bit slow to get going in that innings, and he he, he brought it home at the end, but it, it could have gone the other way. Um, the Sydney Sixers are, are none from two, and we didn't actually do a proper Big Bash preview show because we were too busy with all the test matches going on. But one thing I... I am concerned about with the Sixers is that it's one season too many for some of them. It's getting older. They haven't really replenished with like young stars. So they're still relying on their Enriquez, their Christians, their Stephen O'Keefe. And my concern is they're just a bit too old this year. Yeah. You raised that in um, one of our other chats. I did. I, so, oh. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I, I um, I haven't watched them play much this year because I've been busy, but I'll have to remind me of this next week. And um, I'll I will. A, I will. More. I'll remind you. I'll send you a text. One um, other thing, just while I think about yes. it, um, would um, Tim David batted really well uh, the other night. I know I am an absolute cheerleader for him, and you're going to hate me for this opinion, but I would consider taking him to the Test Tour of India. Um, a quick 40 or 50, smashing it all over the place. And um, I, I think he looks a quality player. Um Anyway, no one, I'm sure no one agrees with me on that, but I'm sure equally no one agreed with when David Warner was first selected to play for Australia in the test side as well. I mean, I'm on the David train as well. I'm not sure they're going to pick him for a test tour, but um, if – Oh, no, yeah. there's zero chance. There's zero yeah. chance. Now, on the crowd so far, now um, – I couldn't get all the crowd figures, and I, I do think some crowd figures have been withheld. Um, so I wasn't able to get the Strikers Thunder crowd from the Sydney showground. And, and actually, you have to be at some of these grounds to get them. Otherwise, they won't publicise them because, I mean, I, I doubt there was 5,000 people for that one. Uh, that was a game they will bowl out for 15. Uh, but, you know, I've crunched the numbers, and the average crowd figure so far on what's available is – 10,468, which actually is not bad. 
pre-Christmas. They've played some on some small grounds, Monica Oval, Kazali Stadium. So whilst that's not an amazing crowd figure, if they can strengthen as people go on school holidays, I'm actually quite optimistic that that average figure will start to really go up. Yeah, well, the game I saw, I mean, to your point, at a small ground at Launceston, between the strikers, as between the Perth and, and Hobart, was a very good game of cricket. And I think anyone who watched that would fall back in love with the Big Bash if they'd fallen out of love with it. So, yeah, I hope, yes. hope you're right. So, strikers sixes at Adelaide Oval got 12,621. That's a good Scor- start, surely. Back in the yeah, day but, when... Yeah, pre-Christmas, though. No, nah, but I think even pre-Christmas back in the day, they were getting 30,000, weren't they? Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yep. Um, Scorchers sixes at Optus Stadium, 21,000. That's um, all right. I just don't think we're, I mean, you know, people just aren't going to live events like they used to pre-COVID. So, um, the Scorchers 6 is 21,000. At the Wacker, that would have been heaving full and it would have been, oh, mm. the furnace is back. Yeah, so that, I mean, it would have been good to get more, but that's not bad. No, no. I'm really curious what they'll get at the SCG tomorrow night. Normally in the capital cities leading up to Christmas, it can be really tough to get people to the cricket. So we'll see. Well, one good thing has happened um, in that uh, this hasn't yet gone out on the podcast apps, but just talking about you and me, now that you've told me that the game's on, double the number of people in Sydney know that it's on. <laughs> I mean, by, 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 where's, by the, where's the publicity? <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't think Cricket Australia are doing a great job on that front. Like I, I'm on TikTok and Twitter all the time. I don't see anything in my feed saying, hey, come to the SCG, champ. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, that was the Cricket Headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Now we've got Can't Let It Go. All right, now let's get into Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just cannot let go of. Um, I'll start with mine. Uh, I've got two little bugbears. The first one is our former co-host, Jaleesa App seems to have forgot she's a co-host on this show because she went on another podcast and did not mention this podcast at all, which is actually awful podcast etiquette. If you host one podcast, if you own another podcast, you're supposed to promote it. So uh, Jaleesa Apps is still apparently part of this show, but she forgot about it when she went on that show. That's one of my can't let it goes. And my other one, and it's not so lighthearted, is uh, reports have come out today that the Taliban have now closed all women's universities in Afghanistan. And it is just now becoming farcical that the ICC won't take a position on Afghanistan in international cricket. And they just have to be, like South Africa was when they had apartheid, Afghanistan cannot compete in international cricket. Their players can still make a living because they can go and play in T20 leagues around the world. But unfortunately, it is galling that they should be allowed to compete in international sport. Yeah, I agree. Reluctantly, I agree. I don't agree reluctantly in the sense that, I don't, that I'm only just coming to it, but it's a really sad thing that Afghanistan men's team shouldn't be able to play, but I think that's the right approach. So, yeah, I can't let that go. I don't know what to do about it. I want to ask the ICC if they're going to do anything about it because, I mean, yeah, th- this situation just getting worse and worse and um, it just needs to be addressed. And, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable if Australia played Afghanistan in any sport at the moment. And for those of you who disagree with that, I do urge you, as I did at the time, to go back um, to uh, about probably six weeks ago and listen to the episode that Menas did where he had Craig Foster 
on the show and listen to what he has to say and maybe he'll change your mind. But anyway, it'll be, it's, it's, a good, it's a good episode and, and well worth a listen. All right. So I was going to say lighten things up, but this is not a car. This is another one. Someone's oh, so no, in got, their head. No, I've got two, actually. I'll go with the lighter one first. Um, okay. Um, it's not funny. It's just annoying me. Why are they on the Big Bash all of a sudden with DRS checking for the front foot when they go to um, DRS? Why can't they just use the technology that they have for the internationals and have the front foot checked by the third umpire every ball? Now, if the answer is um, it costs too much or whatever else, fine, but don't check it when they're going to the um, the review. Don't check it when a wicket falls because you're going back to the worst period that we had with international cricket. International cricket kind of had three periods with regards to no balls. One, they were called on the ground and no one really cared. Occasionally the umpire would call a no ball, so be it. Three, where we are at currently, where the third umpire calls them all and it's done properly and everyone knows if you put your front foot over, you're going to be called to no ball. But two, the worst period where they could, they wouldn't call them, they wouldn't call them, they wouldn't call them because the umpires on the ground weren't calling them, the third umpire wasn't calling them. But only when a wicket fell, they would then say, now we're going to scrutinise it. And because bowlers hadn't been getting the warning, and it's totally the bowler's fault, but they seemed incapable of learning, you then had a ridiculous number of wickets that were struck down because of a front foot no ball, which is the most unsatisfying viewing experience in the world. So Cricket Australia, this is your competition. You can do whatever you want with the Big Bash. You have. You've created the X Factor and the power surge and the this and the that. You know, you, you can change the rules in any way you like. Just say, we're just going to forget about the no balls. Umpire, if you see a blatant no ball, call it. Um, if it's line ball, don't call it. We're not going to scrutinise it. We're not going to go and put the angle on it, the, the camera on it and... and um, and embarrass you. We're just going to think about what's best for the spectators because I'm going to. I'm sure we're going to get instances where a wicket is um, rejected because the the batter's walking off and they're going to check for the front foot no ball. Don't do it. Yes, I've got another bugbear with the big bash as well. It seems to me when the power surges on, certainly when I'm watching on Fox Sports, there's no indication on the screen that yes, it's a power surge. I don't know if that's, that's the same point. on Channel Seven. It's so. Friggin' stupid. Like, I hate the power surge, and now they don't even tell us when it's on. And it's just how can they let that happen? If if you're Cricket Australia, they should be on the phone. Like, I said to Alistair Dobson, make me on the – do you think I'd have let that go through to the keeper, Paul? I'd have been on the phone to Fox Sports that night saying, fix this coverage. Agreed. That's what they're missing out on. And I'm right as well. If you're going to hit the power surge, at least get the six over big bat, six over power exactly. play to start as well. Have eight overs of power play. It's more entertaining. And if the bowlers don't like it, then it doesn't matter. We've got big grounds. It's not such a problem. The other thing, and I have this problem with the internationals as well, is that they don't, in the runs chase, always have runs off balls required. They should have that from ball one of the runs chase prominently, and it never, ever leaves. So that at any given time, you can see they need 127 of 71 or whatever it may be, especially towards the end when it's, you know, 32 off 16, and you think, is it 32 off 16 or 32 off 15? And um, then you've got to look, actually look at the score and do the subtraction. As I said, someone on Twitter said, oh, can't you do the subtraction? Of course I can do the subtraction. Well, it's getting harder as I get older, but I, don't, I shouldn't have to. I'm not watching it to do maths. Anyway. It's a fast. No, I agree. All right. My other can't let it go um, relates to the six that Alex Hales hit the other night, uh, well, last night, where it hit the fan in the face. Um, and it was a concerning sight. Uh, hopefully the fan is okay. He had to go off to get uh, medical attention. The thing was, it, it wasn't that hard a six. Like it was a loopy sort of six. Like he hit it with a bit of power. But you look at that and think, what's going to happen when a spectator gets hit by one that's hit absolutely low and flat? Someone is going to get either killed 
or very badly injured. And I think that something needs to be done about it. I, I feel bad for the players. Imagine belting a six and killing someone and having to live that with that for the rest of your life. I don't know what the answer is other than I've sort of semi-seriously, semi-facetiously said on this show before, they've managed to develop the white ball and the pink ball. Could they not develop a ball that is just a little bit softer that still retains the characteristics of the of the of the proper ball? And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, our masculinity is threatened. You know, the part of the great joy of cricket is that you might get your nose broken. Well, actually, it's probably a more enjoyable game for everyone if that wasn't going to be the case. It would solve the concussion problem as well. But short of them doing that, they do need to do something, and I don't know what it is because I think someone's going to get injured. Yeah, I mean, this instance that, you know, they were sitting looking into the sun, the ball came out of the sun, clocked him straight on the top of the head. And I don't care whether it was a hard six or not, that is going to bloody hurt. And, and I think they could do two things. They could give helmets out to everyone as they came in. Just here you go, here's a souvenir helmet. Um, but, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, they could have an area of each ground where there's netting up, where at least if you're a ca- you know casual fan that might not be watching every ball, you could sit there and not have to worry about getting sconed. But, you know, this has happened in baseball before. Fans have been killed by balls, by bats flying, and they've actually, in a lot of grounds, put netting right up the first base and third baseline in, in most baseball stadiums now to stop that. There was a horrible incident at Fenway Park when a, a wooden bat almost killed a lady. Um, but something has to be done. I like, I don't like the netting idea because I'd hate to sit behind. I know you'd get used to it and it'd be okay, but the difficulty with it is you'd really almost have to net the whole ground because if you just went square, that would help. But, you know, you could have a, a bloke crack a six over long on. Um, and you could say to people, make sure you watch the game, but even that's not going to matter. That if you're sitting there and no matter how hand-eye coordination, no matter how good your hand-eye coordination is, if someone strikes a low flat six and the person in front of you deflects it or someone obscures your vision or for a second you happen to be looking at your phone you can't rely on people actually watching it plus if you're um you know if you're not someone who's ever caught a cricket ball before if a little kid or an old person um yeah i don't know i don't know what the answer is and people won't say well we've been playing with big bats and small and t20 for years now and no one's been um really badly injured or killed i just look and i think it's going to happen i just Just i sometimes see i see sixes hit to the crowd i wince and i just think oh and as i said I feel bad for the player who is the player that ends up severely injuring or killing someone. And for me, I get very concerned. I also feel bad for the person who gets severely injured or killed, I should add. Yes. Um, But also, you know, well, I get concerned when they go to the small grounds. For example, they're playing a big bash game at North Sydney Oval. Now, um, you know, it's it's about 50 metres to the hill uh, from the middle. So, you know, if you've got someone like a Dan Christian with his big bat gets onto one, as you say, you you might have no chance to get out of the way of it. Um, so, anyway, something has to be done. Keep an eye on it. I wrote a column about it when I was at News Corp. Um, no one listened to me then, but hopefully more people will take notice now. Uh, we've just got a couple of quick questions. Um, so, Ruban. He's, uh, he's asked on YouTube, is South Africa on the decline with not enough good batters to challenge the top teams? Paul? Um, they're not as good a batting side as they have had in the past. When you look at, you know, Faf Duplessis and um, Hashim Amla and A.B. de Villiers, just to name three, that would strengthen this side immeasurably if they were still around. Um, are they on the decline? I don't know the state of junior cricket in South Africa. I've said before, I'm always constantly amazed by how they keep on unearthing talent, given that cricket is 
not their most popular sport, not their second most popular sport, and so many of their talented players emigrate. You know, Manus Labuschagne and um, Michael Nisa, so many go over to England as well, yet they still produce um, wonderful players. So I'm optimistic that, that they're not on the decline and that they've got a production line of talent still coming through, but I know that they have got financial difficulties and that the game is, the game is not, a, not in the healthiest state in South Africa, and that concerns me, and I've said it before. I think that Australia, England and uh, India should sit down and say um, it's in our own interests to make sure that the players from South Africa, New Zealand, West Indies, Sri Lanka um, and Pakistan uh, are incentivized to play for their national teams. Let's not cannibalize the sport because as much as it's great to make money from the Big Bash and, and, and the IPL, we want a healthy international game because if, if that international game diminishes too much, then it diminishes the entire sport and no amount of money from short form domestic franchise competitions can make up for that. Good answer. Martin Lawrence has asked on Twitter, he says he knows he's looking ahead, but he asked, how does, do we think Basball will go in the ashes? And Martin, um, I actually think it's going to go fine. I think England have shown that they can play this aggressive style against all teams. And uh, they did it against um, South Africa. They've done it against India. They've now done it in Pakistan. So I think they're going to try and smash us around. Uh, and I, I, I think Australia's going to win the ashes next year, but it's, it's going to be a cracker. I reckon that Basball is more subtle and sophisticated than people give credit for it. I, I don't think it's just Brendan McCullum going in there and saying slog and slog and slog. I think that there's every chance he will say to them in the ashes, yeah, look, let's be positive and let's play with freedom. But, um, hey, look, this session coming up, we're just going to survive. I, I don't think that he's going to be just one-dimensional about it. I think that that's a, a misnomer. I think that what he's tried to do is to say um, – you know, in that Pakistan test match, with that first test match especially, this pitch is a flat pitch. If this was a one day, you would belt it everywhere. Just because it's a test match, don't make, don't let that influence you to say, oh, I've got to play sensibly and and and, and boringly. I mean, I've talked before on the um, in the test documentary when Aaron Finch made his debut and how um, in the UAE against Pakistan, he got to about 60 and then he skimmed one to mid on and was out court. And it was kind of, afterwards they said, Talk, tell us about your dismissal. And he said, out of the hand, I thought I'm going to hit this for six, jumped down the wicket and then thought, oh, actually, I, I better play sensibly. Kind of did neither one nor the other and ended up hitting it straight to mid-on. That's where Brendan McCullum would have said, mate, you should have tried to hit that for six. And if you got out stumped or hit it skied up in the air, you wouldn't get criticised by me. I think that's his approach rather than just a mindless aggression. Well, we've run out of time. We've, we've clicked over, so we can't talk about England's 3-0 series win in Pakistan. Um, I guess um, we'll, we'll record during the Boxing Day test. Um, so we'll be doing our daily reports. I'm not sure how, but we'll we'll do the best we can. Um, I'm off to the Big Bash tomorrow, so I'll have, be able to talk about that. Uh, but everyone, uh, have a great holiday. Um, whatever you celebrate, I'm sure you'll get some time off regardless. Um Everything about this season for me is Boxing Day test. Um, so that's all I'm geared up for. So I cannot wait. Uh, Australia wins in three or four days. All I want for Christmas is, you know, a series win over South Africa. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is um, a decider in Sydney. Um, I want the I want it to be a, a thriller. Hope that we get a big crowd on Boxing Day. I don't know what we could expect, but hope we get 70,000. That's a nice, fine day. And I hope it goes deep and it's a, a great game and South Africa win and then Australia win and a thriller in Sydney to win at 2-1.
And another lost opportunity for cricket, the NBL, which is our National Basketball League, will be playing a game on Christmas Day this year. And, uh, you know, the Big Bash players will be sitting at home stuffing their, stuffing their faces with turkey when they should be out there promoting the sport that pays them so well. Um, so, yeah, basketball is going to own Christmas Day despite years of us telling them otherwise. Merry Christmas, Dennis. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas from jail. <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.